familiar with um, people that uh, leave and move employments in our life. Uh, some of us, we uh, have moved on to different positions and ministries of ourselves. But I think there's no uh, bigger transition uh, in all of history than, at least in terms of looking for a replacement, than the one that's going to replace Judas, uh, which is actually the text that we're going to go over today in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 26. Uh, this is the scene right after um, Jesus ascended into heaven that they need to find the twelve. And in order for the Holy Spirit to indwell in them, um, the Lord, it seems like, wanted them to have uh, a complete set of, of apostles that would be the foundation uh, for the church. Uh, Christ being the cornerstone and the apostles being the foundation where the church is going to be built, uh, Christ wanted to have 12. And because of that, they needed to choose a replacement because we know that Judas is, you know, he's the betrayer. He's the one that, that denied Jesus. And because of that, uh, they needed someone to replace them. Now, which is actually the scene here in, in my Bible, the NESB has this phrase, the upper room. And I do think that this is uh, fitting in that um, you know, the Lord has just orchestrated all of these events for them to, you know, brought all the disciples, uh, all the apostles back, the 11, back together to help discern and figure out who is going to be the one that's going to replace uh, Judas. Now, this is 12, and the reason why it's 12 apostles and because uh, I think it's just the way that uh, the Lord uses kind of like a continuity or reference to the 12th tribe of Israel. Um, and this scene here is really the closure of Judas. Uh, no one can delay God's plan, and um, Judas' betrayal was part of God's plan as well. In Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says that the man Jesus delivered over by predetermined plan foreknowledge of God you nailed to the cross by hands of godless men and put him to death. So even though the God is sovereign and that he has uh, orchestrated individuals that was going to betray Jesus, they are still held responsible for what they've done. It doesn't lessen the judgment of the Jews and, and you know what Judas has done. Uh, God's plans continues on here. Uh, and we'll look as we go through this text uh, how Christians... Uh, can trust and be thankful in God being who he is and that because he's um, sovereign over the big picture and provincial over the small pictures it allows people and for you and I to learn to grow and to trust in the Lord in the big things as well as the small things in our life. So the apostles were again the foundations and we see this in Ephesians chapter 4 and here the final act begins in terms of before the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. Verse 12. Then they entered to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath way's journey. Uh, that just means that um, you know, there's a maximum travel according to the rabbinic law and, uh, and, and Jewish thinking that uh, you know, when you do a journey from one place to another, it has to be uh, seven days apart. Uh, so this is just kind of referencing to almost like the... Uh, um, the end of Judaism that way, that these are, they're still technically part of the Old Covenant now until the Holy Spirit dwells in them. Verse 13, when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphanus and Simon the, Z the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. 
These, all with one minded, were continuing to devote themselves to prayer, while with the women and married their mother Jesus and with his brothers. So uh, they went up to this upper room, and it could be that this is the same place where they had the, the final Passover. Uh, the text doesn't say, but it's just some sort of room that uh, that they gathered to, you know, to, to pray and to basically wait upon the Holy Spirit to come. And the, uh, Christ said uh, in the previous passage, in the beginning of Acts, that, or even in the Luke's, that, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come into them, that they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit here. And you'll notice in verse 14 that, that, that they were in one mind to continue devoting themselves to prayer. Uh, prayer is an important part of all ministry. It's a, this here shows us there's some sort of spiritual unity and fellowship. And many worship, worshiping Jesus, and um, yeah, even Mary. Mary herself was worshiping Jesus, and not, um, and people were not worshiping her. In fact, just a little tidbit here. Here, Mary, the mother of Jesus, appears. This is the final time she'll ever appear in all of Scripture, uh, which shows you that she's not as significant as the Roman Catholics' understanding. Uh, the Roman Catholics' understanding of you know Lent and and. Uh, mainly Lent, especially when we're Roman Catholic Six idea, is really stolen from like a pagan um, culture. Uh, there was a pagan religion that believed that if you pray for, there was a story in the pagan religion where a lady lost her child and then they prayed for 40 days and the child brought back to them. Somewhere along the line, the Roman Catholic Church uh, adopted that uh, that thinking and it put, and then basically put Christian lingo all over it and that's where they get Lent from. Um, so the Roman Catholic, they sometimes miss these type of passages and that uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also praying to Jesus, meaning that she herself understood that she's subservient to Christ and that she is not, uh, that you don't need to pray to Jesus and the only person that is worthy of all her praise is uh, Jesus Christ. Here, uh, the apostles, along with the women, they were all waiting for God to act next and the Holy Spirit did not, didn't come yet. Um, because uh, you know they're just they didn't he didn't come because of their own prayer they're just praying. Um, verse fifteen, at the time Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about one hundred and twenty persons was there together and said, "Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, uh, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who has become a guide to those who are who arrested Jesus." And this is. Peter now uh, speaking up, and this is the time where I think Peter, Peter actually finally became the leader. He's finally fulfilled and, and became mature, and that is uh, what made him useful. And you know, Peter now, at this point, is about 120 days or so after you know, his denial of Jesus. Now he's got to a point where he's repented, um, the Lord restores him, and now he's going to lead in such a way um, that the Lord's going to build upon him. And we know in church history that eventually Peter gets crucified upside down. So Peter now is leading the people, shows his growth, his development, his character development since when we first meet him as a fisherman, all the way till you know, all the way up until now where he's like bold and then later on where he will die for the faith. So he lives up to um, you know, what uh, what God expects of us that that we're gonna if we want to live for Jesus that it may cost us our life. And Peter although he failed horribly in the beginning of his life, ended very, very well. Um, verse 16. Uh, uh, verse 16, 16 talks about the scriptures and how this is all according to the mouth of David. If you, if you want to know where this, these references are, it's in Psalm 69, verse 25, and Psalm 109, verse 8. And this means that scripture is 
to be fulfilled and uh, everything in the Old Testament um, is, is, is coming to light. And Peter, Peter's evidence came from the Old Testament that he argued the importance of the Old Testament and see how that connects to the fulfillment of all the things that Jesus uh, did. And you know, you have to understand in the time of the Acts when this was going on, there wasn't, Luke wasn't writing this concurrently as the events were happening. He probably wrote it down in retrospect and he's writing uh, this, uh, um, you know, knowing that the New Testament as a whole hasn't come to complete, um, you know, the canon wasn't completed yet. Um, so the scriptures that, that, that Peter was using was the Old Testament, he, and he explained how everything that Jesus has said, everything that Jesus did, is already has already been prophesied all the way back in the Old Testament. So what does that mean for us? It means that for us, when we think about God's promises in life, and especially the ones that has yet to be revealed in Scripture, we can look for them and anticipate with great joy, knowing that the Lord is going to one day fulfill all of those promises that He's made. And we can be excited and thankful that we have a God that gave us His Word so that we can know what is to come. Uh, verse 17, For He was counted among us and received His share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field for the price of his wickedness and failing headlong he burst open in middle in in the middle and all his intestines gushed out so this is interesting where it gives you a little bit more insight in what happened to judas uh judas betrayed jesus and he you know gets the gold the silver and he returns it but then you don't really understand in detail at least what happened after and this part gives us that it tells us that he was he, he, he hung he was hung on a tree and his intestines was bursted open after he like his body hit the ground so it could mean that you know, he tied it wrong which also show his failure or or that you know after a while the branches broke and his whole body just landed uh, and again Judas is uh, written as he is um, you know because of his own sin even though it was prophesied that he would deny Jesus um, was, he was still responsible for his own sin uh, even Judas betrayal and death it was part of uh, his divine plan. Jesus, Judas wanted many. Uh, uh, Jesus, G G Judas wanted um, uh, money more than Jesus, and Judas uh, tried to s trade in wealth uh, for his savior. And I think this is just a natural application for us: is that when we think about money, is that how many people in the world has denied the faith? because of the love of money. Right? This is what First Timothy says, that the, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Um, and that is the result, and why people deny the faith sometimes, is that, is that they, they, they trust in their wealth. They love wealth more than their savior. And Judas here was that example. He loved money more than his own savior. And even though he wept at the end, that was not a genuine repentance. Verse 20. Uh, for it was written in the book of the Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate and let no one dwell in it. Let another man take his office. Uh, this is a reference from Psalm 69, verse 25, and Psalm uh, 109, verse 8. These references here, actually I made that, uh, I discussed the reference earlier, that uh, is alluding to Judas even before uh, Judas came into existence. And, um, and again, Judas is still taking res uh, responsibility to how he lived, even though God was sovereign over the decisions of his life. And, um, and you know, for us, we need to remember that too, that uh, we can 
that we're held accountable to our own sin in our own life. We're not held accountable for other people's sin. <clears throat> we're not going to be punished for what other people have done. Um, but if you're a believer and you fall into sin, that responsibility falls solely on you. But if you're a belie- if you're a believer and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that means you also understand that Christ wiped away all of your sins, and that means that although that doesn't mean that means you're free from the consequences, it doesn't mean that you go and participate in sin. Um, God is gracious, but He does not allow sin uh, to be um, festered and fostered in the heart of, of His children. Verse 20, uh, 21. Well, I didn't read this. Therefore, it's necessary that one of the men who have accompanied us all uh, all the time, and the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, uh, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become the witness with us of his resurrection. Uh, verse 21 22 really speaks of the qualification of, of being an apostle. And the first is that they had to participate in the Jews, uh, in terms. In, in, sorry, not Jews. Um, they needed to participate in Jesus with, in his earthly ministry. And the qualification of an apostle was someone that saw the risen Jesus. That's why, actually, in our day and age, we don't have apostles that, in the same way, in the same understanding, because there isn't anyone here that have seen the face of Jesus, the risen Savior. Verse twenty-three, twenty-five. So they put toward, to forward two men. Uh, Joseph called Barasab, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. Um, Matthias is a is an interesting name. It basically just means a gift from God. But what the apostles did here was that they uh, they sought God for wisdom. That they asked Him to to basically determine between the two leaders who's going to um, you know become an apostle. And um, they have this uh, the system, which is you know. What we would call casting lots, which really, when we think of casting lots, sometimes at least I think of a dice. The reality is not a dice; it's more like a stick, and then they, they just kind of throw it, on, uh, uh, you know, into the floor, and then it lands somewhere and tells them what the thing. They're able to discern the will of God through it. So, um, you know, they prayed in verse twenty-four. They prayed and said, "You Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show us, uh, show which one of these two men have chosen." Uh, to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. Um, this is uh, the part where where we see Judas uh, went aside, well, basically left Jesus and he chose hell by not believing in Jesus Christ. And it's a very humbling reminder for us, I think, when we think about how Judas was weeping. You know, he had this outward sense of dread when he fell into sin. Uh, but just because you fall and feel guilty over your sin does not necessarily mean that you've repented from the heart. It wasn't that you've given up your sin uh, to Jesus Christ. Rather, um, you're just weeping outwardly for other people to notice. And I think that's why Judas was weeping. He was weeping because I think he felt bad and, and you know, he didn't want other people to know, uh, you know what was going on. And for us as Christians, we must always remember that uh, our sin will make us want to reject Jesus Christ. And we need to constantly reject uh, sin so that we can keep Jesus in our own hearts. Um, and it says that Judas turned aside to go his own way. This is really uh, a way, another way of saying that uh, 
they they just didn't um you know they weren't aware that judas was uh, kept going around doing what he was doing but he went in and out and he went his own way but the way here is that uh you know, he chose the path of hell and ev and which again implies that every non-believers is going to have the same fate that you're that once you deny jesus uh and you died you're dying denying him then the result uh is that you go to hell verse 26 and they drew lots uh, for them and the lot fell on matthias and he was added to the eleven apostles and the other guy in, the, in those matthias uh is the one chosen uh bar uh J joseph called bar bar sabbath um that person didn't you don't you didn't hear that person whine and complain um he was just appreciative of the fact that he was chosen and um you know they don't really speak much of him but i think he is someone that is extremely humble so that you know he he knows the the dangers of ministry he doesn't want the recognition or title he just wanted to serve it seems like and that's why he doesn't come up again i think it's because it just shows him that he's not a, he doesn't like like to fight he's not covetous of ministry he just trusts in the lord that's what we need to be sometimes too we think about ministry oftentimes we think of other people's ministry that are thriving and, and are successful and we wonder how come we can't be like that but just remember that um just like how matthias was not uh, you know trying to brag or anything like that but um you know matthias was a chosen to replace judas and uh Barsabbas was just you know, you know that he didn't make it and the reason why uh he they didn't you know the reason why it all happened was because of god's hand right he chose where the lot was going to land and then in the end, uh, Matthias was one that was chosen to replace Judas. Um, and I think that's uh, for us as Christians that we need to remember that. That ministry is not about us. It's always about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If the, and then if some new person comes in who exceeds you on your talents, they will do more ministry. You should be appreciative of whatever small ministry that you have so that you can uh, serve the Lord faithfully and not be overthrown and bothered by other people's successes. Well, that's it for today. Uh, next Monday, we're going to see the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit in the life of the early church. I hope that this is helpful to you. Take care and have a great day.